It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. I think we're streaming live yeah it says it it, it, it looks like it. it it's been it's been failing me lately so i'm just i'm gonna take i'm gonna take zoom at its word and it's digital cold calculated word that we are live on facebook this is carcon carne i'm james van osdell a quick programming note tomorrow on carcon carne whatever happened to all the heroes all the shakespeare's they watched their rome burn the stranglers on this show the, the 15 year old james van osdell telling you that right now can scarcely believe that J.J. Burnell of the Stranglers will be on Carcon Carne tomorrow. But that's tomorrow. Tonight, right now, as we speak, Blind Adam and the Federal League are on the way with a brand new album, An Act of Desperation. It comes out September 10th on the AF label. Uh, they put out the mansions on the Boulevard 7-inch. Here tonight to talk about the album's release are Blind Adam and Chris number two, Chris Barker of one of America's most prominent activist voices in music, Anti-Flag. Besides the Blind Adam coming out, Blind Adam album, Coming out on AF, Chris also produced and engineered the new album. So, guys, Adam and Chris, I interviewed Justin and Pat from Anti-Flag for this podcast at Riot Fest a few years ago, episode 253, for keeping track. I'm going to start this interview in pretty much the same way I started that one. Given the state of the world that we're in right now, given just this never-ending shit show we're witness to, do you both have people come up to you and say, man, we need you now more than ever? <laughs> um. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, well, I guess um, the the simple answer is yes. Um, uh, and what is perhaps different in Adam and my uh, my personal experience um, is that we have this really interesting thing called age perspective. <laughs> where um, we've been doing this for so long that we can have these mo these people say to us, oh, I used to listen to this and then I left it for a really long time and then I came back to it and now we need you more than ever. So I get <laughs> this little asterisk next to mine, whereas I think Adams is, is you know, reflective of the activist work that he's doing locally in Chicago, reflective of you know, the scene that he cut his teeth on, the band is almost a new vehicle for him uh, to express these things that he's been doing for his, the entirety of his life. So when people talk about the art that you're creating and, and the relevancy of it, I think that that's probably the biggest difference between the two of us is we get these people who come in and out of it. And, and I just go like, yeah, well, we've been doing it. Um, it's the only thing we know how to do. Uh, I'm not sure that you know, I, I have friends and contemporaries who say things like, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't be here. And um, we don't really subscribe to that. We'd be here regardless of whether or not anybody <laughs> listened or not. It's the only thing we know how to do. So I think that, um, uh, you know, again, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting to have people um say that or present that as if it is it's almost a backhanded compliment in the end because um uh, i think that the relevancy of art 
doesn't matter if if the enemy is in peak um, universally known um, uh, failure or if it is just like hey this is something an issue that's really near and dear to me not a lot of people in the mainstream or not a lot of people in the uh, the ether are discussing these things we believe it has value and relevancy so you know whether or not it's um sorry the dog's gonna bark because uh, my partner's coming home but um it's it's like people tune in and out based around electoral politics and things like that and and to me whether or not it's uh, uh, serving, good lord, um, whether it's serving people right now, um, that is that's irrelevant to me. That's just what we're doing all the time, and I, I assume that Adam would have a similar take to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I I found Anti Flag as a band when I was like fourteen years old. Um, I got into punk rock music through you know, the bigger bands at the time, like Green Day and Rancid and whatever. Uh, and I, I remember seeing a new kind of army at the local record store. And I, I only bought it because I thought the cover was cool. Honestly, I didn't, I had, had not heard them, but uh, I grew up in like a working class union family. And um, I saw what uh, being in the Vietnam War did to my uncle. And um, I had another uncle that was in, uh, World War II, who we have a song about in our last record called Uncle Tommy. And, uh, you know, he he gave up his dreams and his life uh, with it, it wasn't his choice to do that, to go fight in a war that um, it basically ruined him. And uh, so when I saw the uh, like the famous the recreation of uh, the famous Iwo Jima uh, photo with a bunch of punks putting up an upside down flag. Uh, I thought I should buy that CD. And then um, as soon as I opened it and saw the, the photo of the, uh, the dead uh, Iraqi civilian that said, your tax dollars at work, I was like, I saw that before I had listened to it. And um, I, I knew that I was going to like the music even, <laughs> even before I heard it. And um, all the anti-flag dudes kind of took me under their wing at a very young age. And, um, you know, there's, I've been in different bands that have, uh, like toured around the country a little bit and um, I put out music, some of which was kind of uh, leftist sort of political, but um, I, th I think this band, uh, you know, and, and having, having all the, the guys in anti-flag is kind of like a sounding board and um, whether that was for activism. I mean, I remember in 2003, I was, uh, really active in the anti-war movement and I was volunteering for Dennis Kucinich's primary campaign and they let me speak on stage. Um, I think that was a tour you guys did with uh, Rise Against and None More Black and um, who else was on it? Against Me? Yeah. That was a good show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, now people will say things to me like other other friends in the punk rock community or uh, in the activist world or whatever, um, that they like, they think, they think it's cool that you can combine, uh, like a, a message of solidarity and collectivism and mutual aid and, and revolution maybe with, uh, with music and, and make a party out of it. But obviously we're not the first ones that did that and neither is anti-flag. But, um, I, I think like, to me, if, if we're going to spend our time having fun and making music, I want that to be for something bigger than just the party. Uh, but the party aspect of it is important. 
you, you mentioned war and, and songs about war. Let's just jump right into If I Don't Make It Home. Now, I, I've had the luxury of living with the songs from An Act of Desperation for a while. And I, I'm pretty sure, Adam, when you first sent me the music, I, I think I said that's the best song on the album. That's you the did. one that that's the one that jumped out immediately to me. Uh, and this is a deeply personal song. And I'll just let you explain it because and, and also, I mean, you two uh, perform in the video together, but I'll let you explain the song, Adam. Um, well, I kind of had uh, I was like kicking around the first verse of that song for a while. I kind of ripped it off of uh, the opening line of the first episode of the show Deadwood. Um, I think the, the sheriff uh, star. um asks the guy that he's about to hang before he leaves town if he has any last words and he says uh give my boots and my gun to my son and tell my wife i love her and so something to that effect and i thought that was kind of cool and i was listening to a lot of lucero at the time and drive-by truckers and stuff and i thought that would be a cool like uh intro to a country song maybe but i never really had a story that pertained to that line um and then I had a a very dear friend of mine who was about the same age, also came from a working class background in Cleveland. um, And he got into some trouble after high school and was heavily recruited by the United States Army and uh, decided that, you know, in order to stay out of trouble, um, it was a good idea for him to join the Army. And then he could maybe go to college afterwards and get a good job or something. And right after that, uh, the invasion of Iraq started and he was on the front lines of the 82nd Airborne in 2003, he did three tours and told me a lot of really horrible stories. And, um, you know, uh, based on what he told me, he didn't even share the worst of it with me. And he had terrible PTSD and survivor's guilt. And I was a senior in high school in 2003. Um, and as I was actively involved in the anti-war movement, um, I was being recruited. I was a terrible high school student. I played in a punk rock band at the time called Article 57. We, we were planning like a 35 show tour uh, right after like a week after high school graduation. And um, I was having military recruiters come to my house. Uh, They were sending me letters in the mail, calling, uh, visiting me outside of class because they knew that they had access to transcripts. uh, They had access to phone numbers, um, addresses, whatever. And uh, so like, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to join the military, but I knew a lot of people that did because it was it was the only option that a lot of people had, really, unless they wanted to just like live at their parents' house, maybe. Or um, I don't know. So when when I met him, we connected immediately and I respected his decision and he respected the anti-war activism that I participated in. Um, and he I um, I knew that he had struggled with heroin addiction and uh we remained very close he he lived about two blocks south of me uh in humboldt park in chicago on the same street and um as far as i knew he had been doing well but uh it turns out that he had relapsed and um i got a phone call asking to go check on him and i ran down the street to check on him and i unfortunately found him and he was already dead um and i I mean, it was it was probably the hardest thing that I ever experienced. He had photos of uh, his fellow 82nd Airborne uh, soldiers like next to his bed. And uh, it was it was really tough. And within a couple of days, 
the rest of that song came out and it was kind of like a like a cathartic therapeutic experience to finish writing that song he was a uh, proud father of at the time a nine-month-old son and uh you know it, it like i was i was glad that i had kept a little like voice memo demo of that song in my phone from years earlier and uh it, it came out real quick and we kind of had it like a almost like a swung kind of like uh uh americana almost like drive-by truckers kind of song and then when we sent chris the demos and went in for pre-production he was like i got a better idea let's make it sound like this and uh <laughs> well yeah, that's my next question chris it's kind of a two-part question one what did you think when you first heard that song and two what is it about Blind Adam and the Federal League that that hooked you in? What what is it about the music that just made you say, "Yeah, I want to be on board with this"? Well, right, I, I bothered him for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a long con. He's uh, <laughs> uh, no, the the first. Let's not gloss over the 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 weight of the background of of the song um, because I think that it's immediately apropos to what we're seeing in a post forever war, uh, Afghanistan recall of American troops and the deterioration of Afghanistan as a whole. And just our inherent belief that, uh, America is the police keeper of the world. And our economy is built solely upon this idea that we can sell weaponry and we can sell war, and that's how we're going to sustain. And 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 it's clearly unsustainable. And uh, now more than ever, especially with the connectivity that we have through the internet, you know, even going to 2003, it wasn't as powerful of the tools it is now. So when when the song came in, I knew it was a a tremendously powerful statement. B tremendously personal statement to Adam. So talking about the music side of it the goal was just not to but i don't um i don't listen to country music and i don't as many as many times as adam sends me a uh hey you got to listen to this record or this band i'll listen to it because i I love my friend but it doesn't um it doesn't move me uh, (laughs) uh, the way um you know the London Calling still does. And yeah. so when I heard those chords, my immediately my brain immediately went to how do we four on the floor this top or head in this beat and make it um make the music get out of the way so that your head bobs because it's catchy, but your focus is on what he's saying. And that became the important aspect of the songwriting to me. Um, so uh, I think that we achieved that goal. And, and and I certainly think that it's a really important song in the record. And one of the r- reasons why it's the first that, that is being shared um, uh, from it. But more than anything, it was just about making sure that Adam's happy with it and um, that the story that he wanted to tell was being told. Um, I've I've like really changed over the last, I don't know, maybe eight years. um, I've really made it everything in music that I do be about intention, less about 
what I think it should be or what I hope it should be or what people expect it to be. It's like, what's the intention of this song and how do we super serve that intention? And so for me, it was telling the story. So let's get everything the fuck out of the way so that you focus on the story. One thing I've asked, I've probably asked Adam in the past too. I wonder why, or maybe just a general lack of awareness. I wonder why there haven't been more artists taking activist stances in music, especially over these past few years. And I wonder if, if a, if if that's true, could it possibly because B people are afraid to say anything right now? Oh, oh, 1000%. I mean, it is, um, a it's happening and we're not seeing it. Um, um, as three, uh, uh, old white guys, um, us, um, there's a lot of activism, uh, in art, in communities that, that we don't, uh, interact with and that's our failure and we need to do better at that. Um, B, uh, the thing that is our world in rock and roll music and, 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 um, uh, you know, even punk rock as a whole, people are so, it doesn't matter what you say. There's no better example than COVID-19 taking the message all the way down to the lowest common denominator of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other, be nice. And there are thousands of people who will quickly be like, fuck you, don't tell me to be nice. <laughs> I'm coming to your house. This is your mother's address. And we're like, and you're just, it's just over. The conversation is over before it begins. So I, I to to get into um complex issues to get into white supremacy to get into um you know war and and the the cost of war uh both economically and humanitarianly um those discussions don't even happen because people are afraid um and what's ironic about it is i think that the average person in the world right now is so thirsty and desperately hungry for empathy that you see it pop off whenever capitalism rears its ugly head into our world and makes a Nike shoe for Colin Kaepernick and it's the best fucking selling thing or Ben and Jerry's makes an ice cream flavor and it goes like crazy and you're just like oh shit people really want this and we are so afraid to actually do it. It's it's creating this kind of spiral or escalator of fear is leading the art. And that should never be the case. Um, intention should. And so that's been my mantra um, that I've been trying to follow and trying to trying to do better on because, um, yeah, it's it's really hard. It's it doesn't matter what you say. Um and there aren't a lot of people, and rightfully so, like it feels weird to pat somebody on the back for things that they're doing. But when the only noise that you're hearing is how shitty you are doing it, 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 it causes people to kind of seize up and, not, and no yeah. longer wish to go down that road, you know? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, we had some press over the winter for the mutual aid project that I started with another uh, Chicago musician, Jeff Schaller called the people's pizza party and including uh, you had us on a podcast. And 
Um, I mean, since then, I've had local anti-fascist activists reach out to me and let me know that they've had um, suburban militia groups, like right-wing fascist groups, send them links to articles or podcasts that I was on and be like, we know this is you. We know this is your band. And like, I yeah, mean, well, I'm part of- that's, that's the one good thing is they're fucking idiots. So they always, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying. Uh, there's one thing I know. I think you broke up Chris that is really, Oh, sorry. Um, uh, what's, what's, What's really funny to me about all of that is that nine times out of ten, they fail at outing or, or doxing the person because they're just fucking dumb as rocks. So so I, I don't uh, put a lot of stock in that. But I think that because Adam and I created art in a pre-internet world where putting something out and getting likes or having people comment on it in a positive manner was not the manifestation for us doing that art in the first place. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't phase us when people are like, oh, fuck this or da 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 in the comments because what you're talking about, I mean, when Anti-Flag played shows in Texas in 2002 in a post-9-11 America, people came to kill us. So yeah. somebody saying something poorly about me on the internet pales in comparison to somebody showing up to your show to try to kill you. So you just respond <laughs> past that, you know? Exactly. Okay. Uh, so the new album is an act of desperation. Let's talk a little bit about that because interestingly, I, the first thing we heard from it was the title track, which you know, we talked about this last time, Adam, probably the least likely of all the songs to to put forward first into the universe. Yeah. It's an acoustic song, very much a storytelling song. You know, Chris was talking about telling a story. Uh, what was behind the decision to put that one out in the universe first? Uh, uh, because it's commercial gold. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the record was supposed to come out early summer last year, and we had planned uh a lot of shows and festivals and it was going to be the busiest year in music i had ever had and i've been playing in bands since i was 14 um but then covid happened and we had the music video for that song was ready to go in like january or february um and we were sitting on it and to me like not that however many whatever a few hundred or a few thousand people that heard that song or saw that video it wasn't going to change anything fundamentally, but I thought it made sense to get that out before the election. Um, and and I uh, I think I'm, I'm happy with that decision because I think like the rest of the artwork on the record, including the cover and everything else that we're doing with uh, the drier ground video and then uh, don't make it home video. And then some other stuff we have uh, in the works is like uh, kind of a theme of like a, a, a new, uh, better world growing over the ashes of the old world and the video for that song shows planet earth on fire with a Trump supporter on the couch watching Fox news, uh, not really, you know, oblivious to the world burning around him and everything else after that is like something new growing out of that, that fire. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, 
that that song was maybe going to be a single, uh, but it wasn't going to be the first one necessarily. And um, I think it, it, I think the way that song sounds sonically and the lyrics and uh, everything that's been going on um, really since this country's inception, but uh, last year in particular, in the last few years, um, I, I, I mean, the, the idea of whether or not that song was going to be a success in any way didn't really matter. It was like, this is what you can have from us right now. We're angry and sad and everything is on fire. Here you go. Um, I think that was kind of, that was kind of the thought at the time. So is drier ground kind of a different side of the same coin? Cause that to me sounds like an optimistic take in many respects of where it's we can a- go next. I don't know if it's optimistic, but I think it's hopeful. I think it's hopeful because it's a song about mutual aid and collectivism and solidarity. You know, like the, the opening, Ellie wrote that song, our lead guitar player. Uh, and that's the only song for this band that I didn't write. And um, when she brought it to us, she said that she wrote it with this band in mind. And um, Ellie and I have a lot of long conversations about, you know, how we should be changing the way we live and what we consume, uh, not just individually, but collectively, um, growing food. Uh, I, you know, I, I bought a house and I planted uh, a Granny Smith apple tree and an almond tree. Um, I've been trying to do more gardening and work with my neighbors on, you know, community sustainability in general. And to me, the opening line, here comes the war again, it don't care about your sins, is like, we've all made mistakes nobody is ideologically perfect. Nobody is personally perfect. Um, we're all learning and growing and we don't have time to like tear each other apart over every little detail. We need to get to work on building the kind of world that we want to live in. If we don't want to just see this entire thing burn around us. Uh, and, and so to me, that song is like a, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's optimistic, but I think it's 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 Hopeful's like the right word. Yeah, hopeful. It, it, it it's it's like a triumphant song. Like this is gonna suck for a while, but maybe something yeah. good can come out of it. What, Chris? That's the the, the um. I think that that's uh, a, a crux of punk rock optimism is that the optimism is there but it just doesn't result or revolve around us. Like, I don't care if this better world happens. I just want it to happen. And so this idea that it's not optimistic or, or, you know, dissecting it in whatever way, like for me, it's all optimistic, but it doesn't, who gives a fuck about me or you? (laughs) We're so, we're, we're very, uh, our value in this process is very low. The, 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 the only thing that we're trying to do is take moments where we have headcounts, where we look around and we say, eh, these folks feel the same way that I do, we're on the right path. And those are the conversations to you know simply leave things better than we found them. I mean, that's, that's the goal of, of all of the songs, of all, you know, whether it's, I think it's the same goal of an act of desperation as it is uh, for Drive Ground. It's just like, how do you tell these stories, share pain to grow empathy? And that's yeah. what you're trying to do. Well, beyond the, the lyrics, and the, the, the sing-alongable chorus of Dry Ground, can we agree that the drums are the secret weapon on that track? 
<laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was it was a beast to record uh, only because I knew the drums were very important. So I beat everybody up really hard and I feel bad about it, but it came out great. Yeah. Hey, the drums are awesome on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess, so again, the, the album An Act of Desperation comes out on the 10th of September, Blind Adam and the Federal League returning. It's on AF Records. That's Chris number two of Anti-Flag. That's Blind Adam. I, I guess the question, not really a musical question, but since you are activists and you're socially conscious and you're concerned about social justice and you're, you're putting yourselves out there as regularly as you are, after this year we've all been through, the, the sheltering in place, the, the, the doom, doom scrolling, the, the scary news, the, the scary neighbors, everything. What do you say to someone who just wants to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. This is all too much. I'm just someone who just wants to retreat from all this and just Netflix and chill until this all passes. Look, it's not going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the issue is that there is no I mean. God, it's like there's no going back to normal. Sometimes there is no. I mean, on a moving train so the 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 i get it and i think that we're all um uh inundated with new vernacular and our lexicon is changing around things like mental health and around self-care and you know check out check in but consistently try to push empathy at the forefront of everything you do and so that means the things you put in and on your body, the things that you uh, share with your family, the things you share with your friends, and you do your best. Um, but the idea that the consumer is going to make the paradigm shift happen is just a fallacy. I mean, uh, all of us can have electric cars. That's sick. I think that we should embrace technology if it saves the planet. But it's not going to happen if we fucking have a military in the United States that is the largest polluter in the fucking world. So it's just like these are the conversations to have. So I I, um, I get it that, that people are burnt out. Um, people get burnt out all the time. Uh, we saw it wholeheartedly uh, within punk rock with the anti-war movement. Uh, the movement to oppose George W. Bush. Then Barack Obama was elected. People took a collective sigh of relief and the multinationals ran rampant. Uh, the, 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 the smack corporate smash and grab of American politics happened, which bled into global politics. And that led to false populism, people blaming immigrants and refugees for, the plight of uh, lower and middle class families. And that led to a Donald Trump, a Boris Johnson, an AFD in Germany, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're just kind of reconciling all of that. There's a fervor again. There's a uh, an attention to detail whenever it comes to politics uh, in a global landscape. And I'm hopeful that, you know, we can push that paradigm shift again in another way that's more fruitful for the average person on this planet. Um, but that's ultimately what we're doing is we're just pushing it back and forth and hoping that it lands somewhere in a place that is more beneficial for, um, for folks. And that, and that's, you know, that is also the cliche that the arc of history bends towards justice. Um, but ultimately sometimes you got to reach up there and grab it and bend the motherfucker yourself. And that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah. Absolutely. 
All right, Adam, the new album sounds great. Uh, Chris, excellent job engineering and producing it. It sounds fantastic. Thank you, James. All right. So you guys stay right there. Uh, if you were watching live on Facebook, thank you for doing so. Thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for that. I'm going to stop the stream and I'm going to keep talking to these guys.